My name is Evangelist Bobby Dean Sr. Now I'm going to be coming to you today with a little mini-series. And the topic of that series is going to be, Did God Make the Bible Difficult to Understand? And also, Did Jesus Build Only One Church? Before we get started, I would like to do a prayer. Pray with me. Almighty and most magnificent, glorious, kind, loving, powerful, and understanding Father, which art in heaven. Father, we come before you giving you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Father, forgive us of our sins and our trespasses and bless us to do your will the way you want it done, Father. Let us seek you out, Father. Help us to understand your word whenever we read it, hear it, or see it, Father. And let us use all of it for your glory, Father. Let us not stray to the left or the right, Father. Let us know your joy, your peace, and your love. In Jesus Christ's name do we pray. Amen. As we get started today, I'd just like to say, ask your question actually. Is Jesus a trickster? Is he the joker, the riddler, you know, an enigma. Is he trying to fool us? I want us to think about that as we embark upon this study of God's word. Did God make the Bible difficult to understand? Has it always been Almighty Jehovah's intent to keep as many people out of heaven as possible? Or has it been his intent to save, to save as many people as possible? I asked you, did God make his word, the Bible, really that difficult to understand? Now, scholars say that the reading level or the comprehension level for the Bible, based upon which version you might be reading at this time, is somewhere between a fifth grade and an eighth grade reading level. So why do so many so-called religious scholars and many so-called pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, say that the Bible is very, mm, very difficult to understand. I ask you, is this true or false? I attest to you that this is absolutely false. These so-called Christian leaders say that the Bible is difficult to understand because they want to puff themselves up. They themselves have what is called a God complex. A giant ego problem. 
They tell you that, you know, you don't have to study the Bible. Uh, they say, I'll tell you what it says and what it means. Just trust me. I've got this for you. Really? <laughs> when they start saying stuff like that, you better watch out. You better be very, very careful. Remember, Satan, the devil, is out to get your soul. Mine too. He's out to destroy you by whatever means he can. We have to study God's word for ourselves. We can't trust that some man is going to give us the right thing because when judgment day comes, God's not going to turn to that man and say, well, did you teach him right? Is he saved? Did you do this for him? Did no, he's going to look at you. He's going to look at me. He's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? When these guys say these things to us, we need to question them with the scripture. So we need to know the scripture. We have to check everything these pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, etc. teach us against what God's word, the Bible says. We have to check it because our soul, our soul, the most important, important thing we have is at stake here. God loves us and he wants us to win heaven. He wants us to make it to heaven. So I ask, as I'm teaching here, why would he then make it difficult? We're going to get into the word and find out. I say to you, with your soul being on the line, don't place it in anyone's else, anyone else's hand. No one but Jesus. Check everything someone says to you against the word of God. Look in God's word and see if what they tell you is the truth. And if God's word says something different, then that's what you do. You don't follow a man. You don't follow a woman. You don't follow a group. You don't follow an organization. You follow God's word because why? Because God loves us. We must be vigilant. Remember, you and you alone are responsible for your soul, for your relationship with God. These so-called Christian leaders usually tell us, just trust me, I've got this for you. They tell us this because of their hubris, our arrogance. And let me say this to you, and I think a lot of us already know this. A lot of them don't even believe that there is a God. It truly is only about, come on, you know it just as well as I do. It is only about the power and the money for them. God says in his word, in Matthews, Matthew chapter 17, 
verses 15 through 16. God says of these people, he says, beware of false prophets, teachers, who come to you dressed in sheep's apparel, gentle and innocent, but inwardly are ravenous, ravenous wolves. Have you ever seen a wolf on these nature shows when they tear something asunder? That's the devil. These are people who are following the devil. They will rip your soul apart and not even care. Get a good night's sleep. The Bible says again, inwardly are ravenous wolves. By their fruits, you will recognize them. That is, by their contrary, their, their contrary attitude towards God's word, their doctrine, uh, and their self-focused. You know, if you look at these guys, a lot of times, and a lot of women, they're about themselves. And they can drive a makeup doctrine to fit themselves and those they want to get in. Well, you know what? Let's do it this way. Don't worry about that. God meant something else other than what he's saying. Again, we need to be very, very careful here. God meant what he said when he said it. And it's not that hard to understand. Was it hard to understand what I just read to you about God's word? Saying that there will be false prophets, teachers, preachers who will teach you false doctrine? You will recognize them by what they do and how they act. That's not hard to understand, is it? I say to you, there are a lot of these false teachers, wolves, in sheep's clothing today. If you count, if you count all the little subdivisions, historians are now saying that there are some 30,000 30,000 different organizations of faiths in the world today. I say to that, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is God's thing. And it must be done God's way, only God's way. We can't, we can't tweak God's church to fit our idiosyncrasies, our our characteristics, our quirks, our habits. Again, are you kidding me? Seriously, are you kidding me? Who in the world do we think we are? We have to change us to fit what God commands us to do and to be. It is God's way or the highway. Let me say that a little differently, because I, 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 preachers don't say this nowadays, but I'm going to say it. And I'm saying it in love because we should tell people things that the Bible say if we love them. So it is God's way or the highway to a fiery, flesh-burning, tormented, everlasting hell. God didn't stutter here. 
And guess what? The choice is ours. God's not going to send us because he wants to send us. He's going to send us where we request to go. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters, and you out there in the audience, we cannot start our own face. Seriously, God did not give us that right. But for some, for some crazy, whacked out reason, we think that, watch this, listen to me, we think that we need to improve upon and can fix what God has done. I say, really? Seriously? Really? We're going to fix what God has put in place? If we need to fix what God has put in place, then is he God? If we can make what God has put in place better, is he God? Do what God said do the way God said to do it. Don't add to it. Don't take away. You can't make it better than he did. We do this. I think we do this. I say we do this because we want what we want when we want it. Come on. Seriously. We know it's true. We want what we want when we want it. And not what God has commanded. Because of our selfishness. Yes, it's in us. Of course it is. Because of our selfishness and our arrogance, we've created church denominations that have come down from the one pure, true church that Jesus built. Now, now let's see what God says in his word. You've heard me say what I think about it. And you, I gave you one scripture. I'm going to give you God's word and what he says about this. You need to find out what the gospel says about it being difficult or hard for the lost to find him, or for that matter, for the saved, to find out about what he wants us to do once we have found him. Because that's what's most important, right? What God says, not what the, the fancy preacher or teacher that I love so much says. It's thus saith the Lord. With that being said, God says in 2 Peter, uh, the third chapter, the ninth verse, he says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. So people say, why hasn't God come back? Why isn't this? And why is he's waiting? Because he wants as many of us to get it right as possible because he loves us. It goes on to say, but is patient toward you. I want you to pay close attention to this. Not wishing for, here's the word, the big word, any, any, not wishing for any to perish, but for all. To come to repentance. Does that sound like a God who is trying to make it hard, trying to trick us? He wants all of us to get it. 
wishing for, he's not wishing for any to perish. He doesn't want any of us to go to hell. Everybody in the electronic media and across our nation would need to know. Uh, the Bible Church of Christ is a pearl and not a relic. The Bible Church of Christ. Now there are many. The Bible discouraged division. 1 Corinthians 1.10 And Jesus prayed for unity among his disciples. John 17 and 20. And what's so important about the Church of Christ? It wears the name of Christ. I cannot put a name on the church that Christ did not have. We go far beyond that in that we teach that we are all the same church, but we have many faiths. Again, I go back to Ephesians. It says there is but one faith. If you want to live after you die, you must be buried in the body of Christ. You must be buried. Well, now baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is one personality that we can depend on for everything because he says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Like a God who is trying to make it hard, trying to trick us, he wants all of us to get it. Wishing for, he's not wishing for any to perish. He doesn't want any of us to go to hell. He loves us so much. God is bending over backwards. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, bending over backwards to help us to get this. Does that part of God's word sound like he doesn't want us to get it? He said he wants all of us to get it. And he doesn't want any of us to perish. But we have to repent. We have to change from what we were. We have to leave that in the past and come forward now and focus on God and do what God says. We must repent. He wants us to get it. That's the thing I want us to get out of that, any and all. What does God say again? Let's, I want us to hear God here. So. God says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties, and entreaties means appeals, requests, hmm, and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of, here it is again, everyone. Watch this. This stands out. We don't want to skip over this part. Be made on behalf of all men. All men. 
So again, does that sound like God doesn't want us to get it? He said, all men. So don't let somebody tell you, well, you know, you've committed fornication. You committed adultery. You're a murderer. You're a thief. You're a liar. You're che-. Repent of that. God wants all men to get it because he created us. And those that of us who have accepted him, we're his children. And he's a, he is the father of all fathers, and he knows how to treat his children. I'll get to that a little later in the lesson. So he says, on behalf of all men, for kings even, and all who are in authority. So we need to pray for the presidents and the kings and, and these people because they needed to. And, and it says in the scripture, it's going to say why you pray for them. And here it is. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Just think about it. If, if the leaders are Christians, if the leaders follow God's bidding, how wonderful life would be here. We need to pray for them, as well as our other brothers and sisters. Peace for them, that they get it. That's what God says to do. And then he goes on to say, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Here's the part I like. I like it all. But here's the part that's good. Listen to this part. God who desires all men, who desires all men, who desires all men. Did you get it again? All men. Not a select few, not some, not this group over here or that group over there or this church over there or this church over here, but that all men. Who desires all men to be saved. God wants all of us to be saved. Of course, it's not going to happen because we have free will <clears throat> and we choose the world over God's love. But he wants us to get it. And if he wants us to get it, excuse me, <clears throat> if he wants us to get it and he wants us to be saved. Why would he, a loving father, make it so hard for us to get what he wants us to have? Does this scripture sound like he doesn't want us to get it? I want you to examine these scriptures on your own and see, does it sound like God doesn't want us to get it? It's difficult. Well, I don't have an education. I can't read. I can't. God will give you the understanding and give you what you need to understand his word if you seek him in your heart. And I don't mean this pump. I mean your mind. He says four again in verse four. Who desires all men to be saved? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wait a minute. It's difficult to understand. It's hard to get. Wait a minute. So he said he wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he's making it difficult to understand. How does he want us to get to the knowledge of the truth if he's making it very hard for us? My brothers and sisters, God loves us. 
and wants us to get it right and love him. He loves us and wants us to love him back. That's it. That's all. That's the beginning, the end, the crux of it all. <clears throat> God loves us and he wants us to love him. If we can get that, we'll be well on our way to where God wants us to be. In Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13, God said, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Now I want us to, I know we've probably all of us, a lot of us, heard this verse, but I want you to understand this verse and listen to this verse. God is telling us how to get his attention, how to pray to him, how to ask for what we need. He's telling us here what to do because he wants us to get it, right? He even compares himself to us, to men, in this passage because he wants us to get it. Again, then he said to them, suppose one of you had a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to, he's come to me from a, a far, from a, from, a, from a journey. That's what it says, from a journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, watch this, we've all, well, we can't say we've all been there, but a lot of us have been there. And from inside, the word says, he answers and says, don't bother me, brother. Don't bother me. Really? This is his friend. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. Well, when you think about that passage, he's up talking to him. So he's not in bed. <laughs> he's not in bed. He's up talking to the, his friend. But he said, we're in bed. So don't bother me. So what is God trying to tell us here? Well, let's see. I can't get up and give you anything, his friend says. I tell you, even though, God says, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Here it is. Here it is. Listen to this. Yet, because of his persistence. What did you say? Because of his persistence. People tell you, well, don't pray that. Don't keep asking for that. You've asked for it. Move on. And when God gives it to you, it didn't give us a praise. God said in his word here, because of the man's persistence. Persistence means to do something and keep on doing it. It says, yet because of his persistence, he will get up. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. Wow. So, because of his persistence, he doesn't stop when he says, I'm going to bed, I'm not going to give you nothing. He, keep, he keeps on asking. He said, well, get up and give him as much, not some, a little, as much as he needs. Did you hear that? I want you to hear that because when God responds later on, I want you to understand persistence and as much as you need. 
We need to get that. So the word says in verse 9, so I say to you, ask. And I'm going to put, put in modern vernacular here, ask, in parentheses we quote that, it says, or keep on asking. Remember? Persistence. And it will be given to you. Does it sound like God doesn't want us to get it? God says to ask, or keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Did he say it might be given to you? Do you say it could be given to you? I think I might give it to you. He said, it will be given to you. Um, it's pretty plain. It will be given to you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. The world may be falling apart. Things are going crazy. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and a sound mind. Wow. 